Let me introduce you to a man that is going to be talking to us today. His name is Don Couchman. He's been a New Life Church elder for the last six years. He's a great guy. He's been married to the same woman for 41 years. That's longer than... Yeah, that's awesome. He is, uh, he's brought with him. If you look around, you'll see some people that may look a little older than college age. There's a few people, and they've, they've kind of spread themselves out to, to introduce themselves to you. Uh, they're sort of Don's entourage, or security guard. Is, is <laughs> and so they're, they're here. He's going to introduce uh, some of them, but they're here just, to, just because this is the conclusion of wisdom of the ages. So get to meet, meet them, and uh, yeah. Okay, last Monday was Don Couchman's 61st birthday. Pretty cool, huh? So he's 61 years old. And some, some men, uh, on their 61st birthday, it's a perfect opportunity to say, get, receive for their birthday a cane, right? You know, they get a cane. Don, do you know what, do you know what he got for his 61st birthday? He got a skateboard. He's a surfer, just like me. That's what I was doing in LA. I was going to school and I was surfing. So let me introduce you, Don, if you could come up here. This is Don Couchman. Give him a warm welcome. All right, good morning. I'm just so excited to be here. This is such an honor to be here. When Evan contacted me a month or so ago, it was just, this is right. My heart is that our generations will come together. That your generation will offer to my generation what you have, and my generation will offer you what we have. We're on the same path. Some of us have just walked it a little bit longer. We call ourselves, I'm I'm sure glad they didn't uh, name this series uh, Wisdom of the Aged. (laughs) Ages, that's okay. Some of us prefer the term seasoned. (laughs) And I asked my friends to come and to share with us and to, to be with us today. And I asked them to just kind of sprinkle themselves around because uh, salt brings out the flavor when it's sprinkled around. Well, when it's all clumped in one spot, it's kind of bitter. And it's time that we move beyond this, this thing of generational separation. We need to come together. And I'm here to talk to you, to talk a little bit about relationships, to share, uh, share life, and uh, I'm going to introduce my wife real quickly here, and then I'm going to introduce her in a little bit more detail as we, as we talk a little bit. Uh, <laughs> with the surfboard, you know, how cool is that that your wife buys you a, six, a, surf, or a, a skateboard for your 61st birthday? But she did have the wisdom not to get one for doing the half pipes. So <laughs> mine's more cruising. When I go surfing, it's long boards and it's cruising. It's not short boards and whatever they do on those things. I don't know. But uh, Kathy, if you'd stand up for a moment. That's my wife. <laughs> Yesterday morning, uh, as I was waking up, God started to speak a message into my life. And as I got up and started to put a pen to the paper, uh, you know, some of us, when I was 20-something, I didn't, didn't need these readers, but now I do. <laughs> these are the words that, that God gave me. Relationships are like hidden treasures. They must be discovered as we walk the pathways of life. We may catch a glimpse of them out of the corner of our eye. Perhaps it will just be a little corner sticking up. We must be on the lookout. We cannot manufacture genuine relationships. We can only uncover them, refine them, and then treasure them. Each one will be uniquely different. They are not something to sit on a shelf and allow to collect dust or even occasionally take them off to dust them off. 
They are to be honed as a fine surgical instrument that God uses in our lives to shape us, much as a gemologist shapes a fine diamond. Remember that diamonds started out as lumps of coal that were neither particularly beautiful or of great value. They could have been thrown into a fire and burned up or, after years of time and pressure, turned into objects of great value in our lives. Relationships are much like diamonds. They must be discovered. They must be uncovered, polished, shaped, and then be put, then be put to work as fine surgical instruments to shape our lives for the glory of God. Number one relationship is Jesus. And Mark 12.30 says, sit all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. If we focus on Jesus and that relationship, keep our fixed, eyes fixed on Jesus, follow what he says with all our strength in our mind, our soul, our spirit, our bodies, we will be successful in life. Matthew 6.33, a verse common, we all know, we've heard many times, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So if we love Jesus and seek him with all our heart, things will fall into place. But when we try to get other things, make other things fall into place with what we think Jesus might like, it doesn't work so well. So we love Jesus, we seek him. Next relationship that, uh, and as I speak here, these, the folks that are scattered around here, I'm going to be introducing them. Uh, they are all unique friends. They are all unique relationships in our lives. They are all precious. They are relationships that are treasured. They are relationships that have gone back many years. Uh, one of my friends I'll speak about uh, couldn't be here because he's with his family this week at Disney World. And <laughs> uh, but that relationship goes back 30 years. Uh, Kathy, if you could come up this way. Oh. <laughs> come on, come on up here. This is the, the bride of my youth. Oh. <laughs> she is more precious than rubies. No. <laughs> now remember, you, you weren't supposed to say anything. <laughs> if we look at Proverbs 31, 10 to 12, it says, A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of his life. Well, if you read on through that, this is you're looking at a Proverbs 31 woman. She's the best wife, the best mom of two daughters, and the best grandma of ten grandchildren. And I love her, and I'm proud of her, and I'm blessed by her. What I want to say to you, dear, <laughs> is I love you, I'm proud of you, I'm blessed by you. 
God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and you are fulfilling your destiny. Thank you, dear. Uh, <laughs> About a year before our 40th uh, wedding anniversary, I asked my cool wife, what would you like to do for our 40th wedding anniversary? And she said, go to Alaska. And I said, all right. <laughs> so... We wanted to do some things, and God arranged just with a couple up there to become friends and set up everything for us. But uh, one of the things we wanted to do was go bear viewing to hang out with those big brown bears up there. And my wife kind of worried about that for three months. And so, so we get on this plane, we fly over to Katmai. We get off the plane, it's about an hour and 20 minute flight, and we were with uh, a lady who was featured in an IMAX film called Bears, and her husband was a pilot. So we get there, and it's time for a potty break. So Chris Day, the lady, says, women, you come with me, we're going to go on the other side of this berm, men stay here, we'll take care of business. So my wife goes over there, and she says to Chris, uh, there aren't any bears right around here, are there? And so Chris says, I don't know. So, so Kathy is in this uh, very compromised position and sees these two big ears stick up. She says, Chris, is that a bear? <laughs> well, yes, it is. But he doesn't care about you being here. <laughs> um, then the next day, we wanted to do some flight seeing around the glaciers. So we go down, and everything's on float planes. Float planes are great. We go down to the dock, and we see this plane sitting on the water. And Kathy says, oh, isn't that a cute antique? <laughs> and I had to say, and that's the plane we're flying in. <laughs> and then... We have that picture, that photo up. Uh, we went halibut fishing. I don't know if you can see the picture very well, but the person to the left of the screen, that's Kathy. To the left of her is the fish that she caught. So here we're, we're fishing, and they catch a lot of these 20, 25, 30-pounders. I catch a 75-pounder. I thought, that's pretty good. My wife catches a 155-pounder. <laughs> so the moral of the story is, men, stay married to the bride of your youth and take her fishing with you. <laughs> In marriage, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we have a little, little graphic here. Jesus at the top, husband and wife at the bottom of the triangle. Now, when we're courting, there's a lot of uh, you know, magnetism. There's a lot of attraction. But sometimes when we get married, some of that attraction, just as magnets, I don't know how all this works, but they can start to repel, a repulse. And if we're looking at each other, that can happen. But if you notice, and I'm kind of a little bit handicapped on working with this computer stuff. I was trying to put some arrows in there, but they weren't going in there. <laughs> Okay, so now you guys just see the, the arrows. If we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and we keep moving towards Jesus, that's kind of cool. kind of looks like moons or something. Uh, if we keep moving towards Jesus, keep our eyes fixed on each other, and start, instead of looking to each other for, for life and satisfaction, as we move towards Jesus, we can't get help from getting closer together.
So in our marriages, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And as we come closer to Jesus, we get closer to each other. As we become more intimate with Jesus, we become more intimate with each other. And Jesus, same yesterday, today, and forever, God wants our marriages to last as we took our vows till death do us part. And men have friends that your wife can call. I remember some years ago, you'll meet some of these guys, some of them are here. Uh, I don't know, I was torqued about something, I don't even remember what it is. I think as guys, we're kind of blessed with this memory lapse type thing. We don't remember everything. But remember, your wives remember, they do remember everything. (laughs) So anyway, I was, I don't know where I was, but it wasn't in a real good place. So my wife had the liberty to call my friends. So I'm, I was training to run on the peak, and, you know, I'm up running on the mountain, and I'm coming down, and man, who do I run into on the trail but Pete? It's like, okay, what's going on, Don? Let's talk about this. And to tell you the truth, at that point, I really wasn't in, in the, the framework to talk about it. But Pete came and met me and walked down the mountain with me. My friend Gary, who's here, he calls me on the phone, said, what's going on? I said, oh, Gary, I just need some space. And Gary said, I'll give him some space. <laughs> but those are the types of friendships we need to have. And it is critical that men and women have a small number of very, very close friends of the same gender in their lives. And over the last number of years, I've had four men on earth that have been very close in my life. Women need the same thing. I want to introduce uh, Billy Martin to you. And Billy, can you come up here? We'll just walk around here a little bit. This is Billy. She's a spiritual mom. I don't know how many years ago it was that I met Billy's husband, Jeff. I want to tell you just a little bit about Jeff. Jeff was a rather large black man, a retired command sergeant major from the Army. And Jeff and I became friends. And Jeff was there with me. He was one of my four guys. And when some years back, the Lord showed us a vision, we purchased a ranch, Jeff was a man that said, I want to be there with you, I want to go with you, I'm going to be there for you. And I got to tell you what happened is, and Jeff and I, we didn't, we didn't see each other in person every week, but every week we were, we were talking on the phone. Jeff was ministering to me, speaking to my life. As issues would come up, Jeff would uh, remind me of the scriptures. But then Jeff got, uh, first thing we knew, he had uh, stage four squamous cell carcinoma in both lungs. And uh, the last time I saw him at home, uh, he asked me to look in on Billy once in a while. And I just need to do that a little bit more often. But the night that Jeff died, I went home, went downstairs, was walking around. I laid down on the couch, and God said, He called you his friend and his brother, but he was a dad. I gave you two dads. So, Billy, I love you. 
Thank you for coming. And this is uh, Twyla. And Twyla's... Oh. <laughs> Twyla is one of Jeff and Billy's daughters. And uh, it was interesting. At the memorial service for, for Jeff, Twyla spoke. And she said... About Jeff. He was my dad, and then he became my friend. And when I got up and spoke, I said, He was my friend, but he became my dad. So, Twyla, we love you, and thank you so much. Pete and Lorraine Pentis. Where are they? Where are you? Can you? Yeah. <laughs> can you guys stand up? Are you, you think you can stand up? I'll help you. I'll start These are very, very, very dear friends. And uh, they moved into the same sort of neighborhood out in the country with us a number of years ago. And in 1994, we had a major fire at our house. And this couple, with their white carpet, invited Kathy and I with our smoky, dirty, black, uh, grungy bodies to come to their house. <laughs> they took us in. Lorraine gave Kathy her bathroom to take a nice soaking bubble bath shared her last glass of wine with her that evening (laughs) 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 and and they washed our feet now at that time we didn't really know them that well but we discovered them I mean we knew them but uh, and in fact when I got the news about the fire at my office and I went home Lorraine was the first one that met me at the bottom of the, the driveway. And, uh, so, f- folks, you just want friends like this in your lives. They are precious. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. We love you, Bless you. Are you going to kiss me? No. <laughs> 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 um, Gary and Susan Skinner. And before you guys stand up, I want to introduce Gary's mom, Lois who has, uh, in the last year or so, has come to live and be in an intergenerational relationship with Gary and Susan. (laughs) (laughs) Chair! (laughs) Oh, this this is Lois. This is the mom of my great friend, Gary. And uh, so, thank you. Thanks for coming. So, Gary and Susan... Stand up. See, my friend Gary, he gets me in a lot of trouble, really. <laughs> he tells me how to demonstrate things and model things, so I'm just kind of payback. <laughs> uh, Susan, some years ago, uh, I was looking for a hygienist for my dental practice, and Susan came and applied for the job, and I hired her. And... Uh, over 12 and a half years, we really had a iron sharpening iron uh, <laughs> experience. We both survived. <laughs> but Susan was uh, cared so much that she would come and say, Hey, Doc, uh, I think you missed it here, or you're missing it here. And I just appreciated that so much. So, um, But we'd have these staff events, and like go to a Sky Sox game or something, and go, Well, where's your husband? Well, he's out of town on business. Next event, where's your yeah, out of town? Out of town. So finally, Gary came back, and most of you know Gary's story. So we're just getting to know Gary and Susan, or getting to know Gary, and he says, "There's something I need to tell you." And uh, and so some time goes by, and I'm thinking, "Well, he just really sees something in my life. He needs to tell me about it." So some time goes by, and I said, "Gary, we're supposed to get together." And he says, "Well, yeah, there's really no hurry." <laughs> So anyway, finally we got together, 
Gary came to our house, went downstairs. Gary takes a big sigh and proceeds to give me his four-hour testimony. Later, I found out Susan was home wondering and praying if she'd have a job the next day. <laughs> um, and then Gary and I, we prayed prayed for an hour after that. And uh, we prayed. Uh, so we were, had this five-hour meeting. And Gary and I became uh, extremely close friends. Uh, oh, not too long after that, uh, I sensed I needed to take one of my son-in-laws to Promise Keepers in Fresno. That year, there was no Promise Keepers in Colorado. So I just uh, called Gary and said, hey, Gary, would you go to Fresno with us? And Gary said yes, and just uh, uh, so we all we got on a plane and went to Fresno. And I don't know why any God would send anybody <laughs> to Fresno in the summer, but uh, <laughs> you know, if anybody from Fresno is listening, just <laughs> I love you. Uh, <laughs> and then along along our journey here, my my mom, we, Kathy and I got calls that. She had had. Uh, she was in the hospital and had some strokes, so she had a stroke here. She had a stroke back here. I called a few friends on the way to the hospital, and said, "Oh, would you just pray for us?" Well, Kathy and I get to the hospital, and the docs are saying, "Well, there's really nothing we can do. Just wait for her to die." So anyway, Gary and Susan show up. So we anointed my mom with oil. She was non-responsive to anything. We anointed her with oil, prayed in faith. Right after we prayed in faith, she started responding by nodding her head. Twelve hours later, she was sitting up talking to my brother when he got to town. And so, so sometimes we can always remind it, you know, so often it's easy for people to just say, oh, I'll pray for you. But my friends... Pete and Lorraine, the other friends, Billy, they pray. I mean, let's just pray right now. And they are there when you need them. They don't have to be there, but they're there. So, Love you guys. I should have told them where I was away on business, too. Does there, do, they, do you guys know Gary's story? No. <laughs> oh, you don't know. Not the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> Not the four-hour version. Yeah, let's see. Okay, so Gary shows up, tells me his testimony. Well, Gary was in prison. That's where I was away on business. That's, so what, that's when it. he was away on business. <laughs> comes home, comes back, comes. That's why we were worried about the job and all that. Right. No. I just thought they all knew your story. No, hardly anybody but, knows me. But Gary has written <laughs> an incredible book. It's called Plain Vanilla Rapper. And it is setting lives free, no matter where you are with the Lord, where your relationship is, it will bless you. And one of the testimonies is, is that men will say, I don't read anything, but I picked up your book, Gary, and I read through it, and it changed my life. So Gary was on staff here for seven years. Uh, and now he's out in the ministry, doing prison ministry, marketplace ministry, men's ministry, and we've just ministered a lot together. He's a friend that I can call anytime. So, did you want to say something about your book? Or? Well, uh, I'd actually brought some copies this morning for free. They're in the back here. If somebody doesn't have it, you want to pick one up, just grab it out of the box. It, uh, it'll be good for you. <laughs> you can... Uh, <laughs> So to older people, they read it and they go, wow, maybe there's hope for me because, boy, I surely didn't mess up anything worse than this guy. <laughs> and for younger people, it's a warning, okay? Don't go this way. There's just uh, a couple other people I want to mention, and that's uh, Jim and Carol Grosbeck. And when we first came to Colorado Springs 30 years ago, one of the first couples we met was Jim and Carol Grosbeck. So we were in the same Sunday school class, 
and uh, so we would do Sunday school breakfast together, and so I found Jim, we found each other along the pathway, and Jim and I are uh, very close brothers, <laughs> we know each other very well, we still like each other, and, and Carol is just solid. Uh, Carol is the one that if you're in a meeting having a discussion, Carol will sit there and listen to every, what everybody's talking about and then, then tell you how it is. I mean, in a, really a nice, I mean, I, I mean that, that, that's a nice thing because she, it's a thing, I'm saying she has wisdom. Carol, now if you're listening to this tape, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> no, I haven't. Carol is just a gem and it's just the type of person that, ladies, you want to have carols in your life. And then um, in 2002, actually, Gary and I went to Argentina. Um, Gary and Susan and Kathy and I went to Argentina in 97. Gary and I went back in 2002. And while I was there, I met a man named Larry Eiley, who just happens to have a dental lab. We're in the same profession, the same industry. And he's a man that is very inspirational to me because first when we were in Argentina, people in the Miami airport, we met up with some people and they said, you need to meet Larry. Well, I didn't meet Larry because Larry and his friend Dick were in the Chili's restaurant leading the whole staff to the Lord. <laughs> Opening banquet, you need to meet Larry. Didn't meet Larry. Where is this Larry guy? I didn't meet Larry because Larry and Dick were down at the hotel front desk leading the whole uh, front desk staff to the Lord. <laughs> so anyway, three days later, I finally meet up with Larry, and to make a long story short, we became, uh, I sent him a case to do. I'm talking to him on the phone, and all of a sudden, this guy's praying for me and blessing my socks off. So we've become very close friends. His, his laboratory is in the Minneapolis area, so we don't see each other in person as much as our other friends here. But on a regular basis, we are ministering to one another. We're sharing life. We're almost exactly the same age. So, you know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. You need people that are contemporaries that you can share life with. Uh, and the scriptures say, talk about a friend that's closer than a brother. And I am blessed that I have a brother that's closer than a brother. My brother David in Phoenix, we just share life together. And my brother David is married to one of Kathy's sisters, Jerry. And this, is, this has been such a blessing for our families to come together and, uh, and share life together. We have two daughters, they have three daughters. But David is uh, it's an incredible blessing to have a brother like that. I want to just mention one other young man. It's my 13-year-old grandson. His name's Nathaniel. And at the end of May, Nathaniel and I are going on a grandfather-grandson fishing trip. And I'm just looking forward to hanging out with Nathaniel. He's, he's a fun kid. He's athletic. He loves fishing outdoors. So we're just going to have a whole lot of fun, but during that process, life will be spoken. And uh, it's just a, it's a critical age. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about accountability and what accountability isn't. Accountability, you'll hear this, is you get together with one of your friends and he has this list of 10 questions and it's, did you do any of these things and did you lie about any of your answers? And that's not really accountability. Uh, accountability is relationship. These men that I've introduced to you when I go to dinner with them, we sit down, and as they share their life with me, 
the Holy Spirit is saying, Don, you need to pay attention to this area. Don, you need to pay attention to this area. And they may be, they're sharing, and I'll share with them. So we're sharing, you know, where we're strong, where we're uh, having success. We'll share our questions. We'll share our struggles. But as God's, as we sit there in relationship, God speaks to us. He keeps us accountable. Uh, and we have Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. And it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Well, when we have relationships in our lives, we are more efficient. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Well, that day, some years ago, Gary and Pete were there in my life to keep me from, you know, falling to a point where I couldn't get up and getting really hurt. Um, it says, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. And I'm not lying down with these guys. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but what that's saying is, as I learned in uh, my undergraduate time, it's about efficiency. Is that uh, in the animal world, when it, Animals hug, come together, they have less surface area, they have less exposure. So it's a, it's a matter of protection, and it's a matter of conserving energy. And so when you come together, when you have friends in your life that you come together with, you're protected, and you have much energy, and you have life. And in the animal world, if, if animals didn't come together, they would perish often. Uh, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And that is such an important thing. We, we pray about this in our marriage so, so often is that, you know, with God and husband and wife, if those three strands are tightly woven, if we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, we're going to be okay. We're going to be strong. We're going to get stronger. In Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Isn't that what we're about? We need to encourage one another. And we need to have friends to do that. We're just blessed to be in this church with the small groups, the relationships, the big group, the smaller groups, the mill, that we can uh, encourage one another. And in this time that we're going through, that has been an incredible strength. And I'm going to tell you, that New Life Church is moving through this, this season because of that strength of the body coming together and encouraging one another. I'm going to say that Pastor Ted and Gail are, going to, are moving through this because of relationships they have. And as in life, often we want to get impatient we want to go let's do let's have this now but in this process we need to be patient we need to allow god to open the doors god to direct our paths and god to use us to be leaders in the lives of those around us now i want to introduce uh, tim and dacia you guys stand up. <laughs> oh, it's cooler back here. <laughs> 
Man, this is a cool spot. <laughs> well, come here, buddy. <laughs> Tim and I just be, began to become friends. And yeah, I like this guy. And I like, uh, you know, where he's at, where his heart is, where he's uh, striving to go. And uh, so I, I went on two mission ministry trips this past year, and neither one of them I planned on going on. But Tim came into my office one day and started sharing about this vision that was going to be fulfilled about doing a men's conference in the Dominican Republic. And something just starts resonating with my spirit. And I didn't say anything. And then Tim says, well, can you and uh, Gary, can I get together with you, talk some things over, sitting at lunch, and something's resonating. So finally I just, you know, Lord, I think you want me to go on this trip. Uh, it was a busy year. So I called Tim and said, hey, uh, well, he was inviting me to come. I said, how about if I come with you? And we did. What I found during that trip was I had some teaching and preaching responsibilities. Well, God has this sense of humor. He sends a dentist and three IT guys from Compassion to do a men's conference. Now, we think about taking risks. Well, <laughs> I think maybe God's the ultimate risk taker. So he sends us down there. And what I realized, there was uh, Tim, who's about 20 years younger than me. So we had a 33-year-old guy and a 27-year-old guy. What I realized is in the Bible... Gideon asked Pura to go with him when he went down to the enemy's camp. Pura was a more seasoned man. Gideon had the call. Tim had the call to go to the Dominican Republic for the men's conference. But what I saw was I went as a Pura to be there, a more seasoned guy, guy for these, uh, these young, young guys. Uh, and I, as Tim reminded me, uh, they they were thinking, well, you know, we should be wise and uh, we better get get a little rest here. And I said, no, you know, we're only going to be here for five days and let's just get the most out of this. Let's give the most we can and then we can rest on the airplane and when we get back home. Uh, you know, just common sense stuff that really doesn't, Maybe it wasn't common sense. I think maybe Tim was, had more common sense. But anyway, it worked. So I just uh, love this couple. Uh, these, they are speaking into the lives of generations. And, um, and that's what we're all about. The mill needs to be speaking into the lives of the, the high school students. The high school students need to be speaking into the lives of the junior high. From junior high on down. So we need to have these relationships that go in both directions. And actually, uh, it's been a good experience. Uh, this last year, we've been visiting uh, different ministries in the church as elders. And when we visited TAG, they had a, a really good picture of rock climbing. There was a leader up here, the more experienced guy. There was a tag guy in the middle, and then there was a JV guy behind him. So that's a picture. As we go through life, we need people ahead of us. We need people behind us. We need those, those climbing ropes. And we need to make sure that we're watching out for each other. We're watching out for those, those parts on the rock that, that may crumble. We're going to watch out for each other's equipment. Somebody's uh, equipment's failing. They need somebody behind them to say, hey, you're, you, know, you need to check your, uh, your, your equipment. So we need to be speaking into each other's lives, 
We need to be there. And we be basically holding hands together as we do life together. Uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate you. In the scripture, just wanted to share with you is just a quick little scripture. First Timothy, one one and two. As Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So the scriptures are telling us that we need spiritual fathers, we need spiritual sons, spiritual mothers, spiritual daughters. Uh, So anyway, as our relationship, Tim and my relationship, I call him Timoteo now ever since we've been to Latin America, but Timothy, is we were just friends. And then God took us on a trip together. So we were doing life together. And then Tim starts introducing me as a spiritual father. And I'm going like, I'm just his friend. Uh, But that's what God does. Relationships. Discover them. Develop them. And treasure them. Thank you. I thought that was really great. You really blessed us this morning, Don. And I think he didn't just talk about relationships. He brought his friends. Isn't that sweet? Would you mind, to close us out this morning, would you mind just praying for us as a blessing from our spiritual grandfather to the mill just right now? Sure. All right. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, I know your heart is so pleased as you look down here and look over these young people. These people that have a heart after your own heart, God. And Father, I thank you for what you're doing in bringing the generations together. And Lord, you're just putting it on my heart that No matter how old we are, we need to honor our fathers and our mothers. And Lord, it's your desire that the hearts of the fathers would be turned to the hearts of the children. And the hearts of the children would be turned to the hearts of the fathers. And God, you, this is so important to you that you attach a huge warning to it if it doesn't happen, Lord. So, Father, may we honor our natural biological parents, Lord. And as fathers and mothers, may we turn our hearts towards the children, Lord, the younger generations, Lord. God, you're an awesome God. You created us to be in relationship first with you and then with each other. And Lord, I just sense uh, that there are some here struggling with uh, decisions and Circumstances of the past, Lord, and your scripture reminds us, put away the past. You're doing a new thing. You desire us to perceive it. 
You are making a way in the desert and streams in the wilderness, Lord. And Lord, uh, when we go three chapters over, it says, remember the former things. And Lord, to a certain point, I always thought about remember the fun, happy times. But Lord, you one morning were saying, remember the pain. And you were saying what you've been saying to the people is, I was there in your pain, and through your pain, I've shown you my heart. And with my heart, I'm sending you to set the captives free. And then you reminded me about Calvary and that Jesus, and that you were with your son Jesus, Father, in his pain. And through his pain, you set men free. And Jesus, you told us, go and do the things that I have done. I do nothing on my own authority, but only of the Father's. So Jesus... We ask you to send us where you want to send us. Keep us where you want to keep us. Have us speak what you want to have us speak. We desire to do nothing on our own authority, Lord. In Holy Spirit, we submit to you. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way with us. So, Lord, I ask that you would bring the generations together. You would break down the walls that separate us in the church. That, Lord, you would heal relationships. You would heal child and parent relationships, husband and wife relationships, Lord. That you would give each and every one here people in their lives, Lord, that they can do life together with, Lord. I ask that we keep our eyes on you, Jesus. Lord, we just love you so much. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, your provision and your protection, Lord, your blessings and your favor, Lord. And Lord, fill us with the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding, the revelation and discernment that we need, Lord, to do life well, Lord. I thank you for this time. I ask your blessing. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen.